Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Throughout the month of October, we've actually been speaking about this principle of, I guess you could just kind of umbrella it in the, in the word generosity. We've been speaking about the way in which that as followers of Christ, that we're actually, we are called to be incredibly generous. And that doesn't just mean with our finances. In fact, it means over every single area of our lives. Because if there's one thing that I think is really demonstrated to each and every one of us, when you actually consider the gospel story, it's that we are following and serving an incredibly generous Father in heaven who was willing to give of his best, who was willing to give of his all so that we could be gathered here today in the format of church and know him when he gave Jesus as his one and only son for his life to be given on a cross for each and every one of us. So today, we're really just gonna try and conclude our legacy series. We've been speaking about how legacy is really for us as a church, it's a once a year above and beyond offering that we're gonna bring into the local house here at Liverpool One Church for the purpose of benefiting and aiding and adding to all that we're able to do as a church. And that really is made possible simply because of your generosity. And what's gonna happen is we're gonna show you some very practical information today and we're gonna talk about how this is gonna work. But what you're already gonna find around your seats today is a legacy giving card. And we're gonna be asking you to take these home at the end of service today. I felt like it was important for me to let you know that first off, because otherwise you're going to be feeling like, man, he's made us get 28 minutes in before he's given us this great big left hook of, oh, there's a, there's a pledge card. There's a financial thing involved in this topic of conversation today. So at least the cat is out the bag and everyone knows where we're heading to. You know, science tells us that each and every one of us are actually hardwired more so towards selfishness than generosity. In fact, I don't even think that you need science to prove that to you. Any of you parents or grandparents, have you seen the way your toddler behaves when they go into a toy shop or like whatever is the modern day equivalent of Toys R Us? Is, is that even a thing anymore, Toys R Us? But you know the way that your three-year-old acts when they're rooting through the aisles and the shelves. It's because selfishness is actually, it's innately built into who we all are. And we don't even need science to prove this to us. But just in case you're still a little bit unsure and uncertain, I'm going to give you some science and show you what some of the latest scientific research tells us about each and every one of us and about our propensity to live life more geared towards selfishness than generosity. Now, it's not good news if you are a man. I am just going to say this from the jump. I am so sorry if you are male, okay? Because um, the research isn't particularly nice towards us guys, because what it actually shows on a whole is that men 
are more selfish than women. Apparently, we have a natural hardwired propensity towards selfishness. I love how it's my wife that's the loudest heckler in the room today. I just want you to know these guys, they're ready to take you out at any given moment. Emma, okay, that includes you too. But there was a study that was conducted by Professor Philippe Tobler, and he was the uh, professor of neuroscience at the University of Zurich. And what he was actually able to ascertain was that the neuro reward system in a guy is really stimulated by self-centeredness. And in contrast, dopamine is released in massive amounts in a, women, in a woman's brain when a woman is involved in helping other people. Crazy, huh? I mean, think of it like this. The research points towards how, men, you kind of live more like that of a caveman. Like, you want to build your world, you want to do your thing, you want to make sure that your fire is lit, you want to make sure that there is food in your belly, whereas a female, you kind of, you release dopamine every time you are being involved in helping the caveman and helping other people. That's why you are geared towards generosity and less so towards selfishness. Now, the news gets even worse because, okay, if you are a man and if you work out, any of you guys like to work out, like to go to the gym, anyone like to lift any weights? Well, apparently the research says that if you are a man and you like to work out and you've got bigger muscles, apparently you've got a smaller heart in terms of your willingness to be generous, okay? So big muscles equals a smaller heart, which... Uh, I don't really know what to say about that, but I'm just letting you know what the research says. Now, this is the one that particularly gets a bit tricky in my marriage, and that is other research will show that if you are a male, you are way more likely to choose to sit in the window seat on an aeroplane rather than the female. And actually, the research says that if you choose to sit in the window seat, you are more selfish than those that choose to take one for the team and sit in the middle or the aisle seat. Like my wife, like I am a terrible flyer. I mean, like I am, I am horrendous. I'm getting fractionally better, but like I can't even get onto a plane unless I know where I'm sitting and it has to be a window seat, okay? So I'm not too sure what this is saying about me right now. For some of you who are now starting to think about, well, why are we even talking about this? Well, I like to be helpful at church and I really like to talk nuts and bolts and, and get into the practical details of life. So all I'm wanting to do today is that I'm, I have a question for you. If you are a single female, you need to look for the skinny guy sat in the aisle seat and you need to marry him, okay? Because he's going to be so generous and loving towards you. You know, our culture is not naturally wired towards generosity. I think it doesn't take a genius to work out that actually the natural propensity of our culture is that it's more geared and driven and directed towards selfishness. And yet that provides us with a huge problem because if culture is about being selfish, you've got to know that if you're a follower of Jesus, being in the kingdom is not about that at all. In fact, living in the kingdom is about the complete opposite of that. Being a follower of Jesus is about self-denial. It's about picking up your cross. It's about 
putting others first. In fact, being a follower of Jesus, really, when we get down to it, it's about living life in an extravagantly generous way. Why? Because that's the model that has been set before each and every one of us. When we look at what God did in order to restore relationship between him and us today by sending his son, Jesus. So culture is tight and stingy and selfish, but kingdom is extravagantly generous. Now, as a church, you might have heard me or some of our team reference these three words that I'm going to go through very quickly. But as a church, we understand that We can't be about everything all of the time. So really early on, we asked ourselves a question and said, if we're going to strive to be three things as a church, what are the most important three things that we need to be? Like, what is it if it doesn't matter if we don't make the grade on a whole bunch of other stuff, but we absolutely must be these three things. And we teach this to our staff, our teams, our volunteers. If you've been around church for any length of time, you will have heard us all speak about these three things. Because the three things that we value most at Liverpool One Church, firstly, is humility. We value humility. Why? Because nobody likes being around the proud guy that thinks he knows it all, all the time. And humility for us is not really about thinking less of ourselves. It's just simply about thinking about ourselves less. It's about putting others first. It's about perceiving others as just greater than we are. That's what humility is. And we value that as a church family. The second thing that we value massively as a value here at Liverpool One Church is unity. And the reason why we value unity so much, especially here at church, is because we understand that there are so many things that can divide us, right? I mean, almost talking about what you think church should be like is almost going to bring the same amount of tension and difficulties and complexities as walking into a local pub on a Friday night and saying to all the guys in the space, hey, can you name me your all-time England 11? I mean, there are just so many different opinions that are out there and exist out there. And we kind of understand that. And what we try and do as a church is say this, we're not going to agree on everything. We get that. You're going to have a different thought, a different opinion, a different take. Sometimes it might even be on certain peripheral elements of Scripture. Sometimes it might be in social and moral views. We understand that there is so many different opinions out there. But as a church, what we try to do is say this, we don't mind disagreeing on some of the, ma- on the minor stuff, but we're all centred and focused on the major stuff. And for us, we say that we exist to change lives for Christ one life at a time. And so long as we're aligned with that, then we can still walk together. We can still build a healthy church together. Because the reality of it is, is you are never going to find a perfect church. For some of you, the worship isn't long enough. For me, the worship isn't long enough. But I understand on a Sunday morning, the worship isn't only for me. I understand that some of you have brought guests who have never been to church before. In fact, maybe you are one of those in the room today. I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome. I am so delighted that you've given us a small window of your weekend to just come and explore church. 
But we understand that you don't enjoy 50 minutes of worship because you've never experienced that before. So why would we put that on you on your first visit to church? For some, the music's too loud. For others, the music's too quiet. For others, you don't like flashing lights. For more of you, you want more flashing lights. Like there are so many different opinions, but what keeps us on the same page and aligned is this idea that we exist to change lives for Christ one life at a time. And we can put up with a whole bunch of stuff so long as that is happening. And then the third value that is intrinsically important to us as a church is that we want to be a church that exhibits generosity. We want to be extravagantly generous as followers of Jesus. Why? Because we just believe that that's the model that has been set before us. Plus, nobody likes a stingy person, right? It's just difficult to be around people who are stingy. And generosity isn't always about finance. We want to create an environment and an atmosphere that is overwhelmingly, extravagantly generous, even in other areas than finance, like with our words, with encouragement, with edification, with being kind, with being polite. We want to build that kind of environment. We want to be generous because we think that Scripture points us in that direction. That's really the reason why we're doing this legacy series. In fact, it's the real reason why we're going to be taking up next week our annual legacy offering. That's the reason why on or around every single seat, you're going to find one of these legacy cards. Because what we're asking you to do in our final week as we build up to taking up our offering is we're not asking you to give I don't feel that that would be a fair ask from my position as a pastor. What we're asking you to do, church, is pray and ask God about whether or not he leads you to give into this offering. Our ask is not that you give. Our ask is that now, with seven days left, every day you take this home and put it somewhere where you can see it on the mirror and you pray and ask that question, Lord, is there something that you want me to do for this? God, is there a way that I can outwork extravagant generosity through the format of giving into this legacy offering? And then what we're going to actually be doing, and I think this is super cool, we're going to be taking up our legacy offering next Sunday, which by the way, is our baptism Sunday. And do you know what? We've had so many logistical problems this week because we've had more people sign up for next Sunday's baptism than we've ever had um, over the course of Liverpool One Church. I mean, like next Sunday is just going to be, be crazy. And not only are we going to be celebrating people's statement, their public declaration of new life in Christ, but it helps us see, oh, this is why we do what we do in part. This is why we choose to be generous because this is what we're seeing that we get to be a part of in church. So next Sunday, we're going to be bringing those cards back in and we're going to be making our pledges and bringing in our giving because I am expectant that you are going to be a generous church because your history tells me you are an extravagantly generous church. I want to just give you a brief update as to where we're at as a result of our legacy offering that we took in 12 months ago. 
Last year, we took in our 2022 legacy offering and it was the first time that we'd ever done this. And you guys, I mean, Liverpool One Church, you were so incredibly generous. You guys ended up bringing in and it was not quite the same as the amount that was pledged because some people pledged and that didn't materialise. And legacy is not about a pledge. Legacy is not about a a faith pledge where you kind of say, well, if God gives me a million pounds, I'm going to give you some of that. It's not that. Legacy is about being strategic and intentional and choosing as a married couple to pray together and say, God, what what do you want us to do? So the amount that actually came in into our legacy offering last year was £58,908.94. You guys are incredibly generous. Amazing, right? And we said that we would be utilising that fund across three really clear lanes, global missions, local missions and outreach, and here at home at Liverpool One Church. So I just want to, for a few moments, give you a very quick, brief update with regards to what did we do with with all of our giving from 2022. So to date, as of October 2023, the current figures are this. As a result of your generosity, Liverpool One Church, we have been able to give £23,673.15 into our global missions lane. And this includes working with partner organisations. Yeah, come on, this is awesome stuff. Partner organisations, including Compassion International and Convoy of Hope, who see disaster aid and relief get into some of the world's most hurting places. Now, what I can say about this particular lane, and honestly, I feel like I'm not even going to be able to to do this, but there's something about our Global Missions Fund last year that we're going to be able to talk to you about in detail in February 2024. Because right now, all I can say is that we spoke about how we were going to literally build and invest and create um, an education centre and a dining hall out in Kenya, which is where one of our compassion villages are. And I'm going to give you a full update with regards to exactly where that's up to in February 2024. Because what I want you to know is that all year we've been beavering away in the backgrounds to make that happen. So in early part of 2024, we're going to give you a big, massive update about what you guys have actually achieved. And you're going to see some stuff that's going to blow your mind. So we're really excited about that. We've also spent £15,683.19 on our local missions and outreach funds, which really is our commitment to be a help not only around the world, but also around the corner. And there are many different breakdowns of this fund. But you know what? I count it such an honour and a privilege that I get to lead this church, that I get to play a small part in leading you, because your generosity is outworked even in our local community. In fact, we were able to take care of some very practical things. One of them being at Christmas time last year, we partner with Zoe's Place Baby Hospital. And if you're aware of Zoe's Place, they are a hospice that's on the outskirts of town here. And they take care of terminally ill children for parents throughout the entire United Kingdom. And not only do they look after their children whilst they are sick, 
but they also take care of their entire family's needs too and provide respite care. And last Christmas, we actually put on an event here where, man, this is just amazing. I'm going to show you a photo in just a moment, but we put on an event here where we brought in hundreds and hundreds of people of the families that are connected with Zoe's place. I mean, like this place was just absolutely chock-a-block with like all kinds of special needs, equipment and bouncy castles and dance floors and food stores. I mean, we just wanted to go to town and give some of these families who are experiencing an incredibly difficult time as they approach Christmas. We wanted to just give them a day where they could just switch off and have a fun time. And actually, here's a picture. This was just like some of our team and some of our volunteers who were working, managing that day. And I'm so grateful that we get to do similar things like that. And I'm delighted that we're gonna be doing exactly the same thing on the first weekend of December here too. But we're also able to take care of a lot of other things that we would call financial gifts or financial helps. You know, like even just last week, let me tell you one very brief story that was brought to my attention. Because oftentimes this happens and we just don't get the opportunity to talk about it because oftentimes if we're to financially help someone, it doesn't help you if we stick your names up in lights going, hey, we helped somebody pay their rent this month. Hey, we helped fix someone's freezer this month. That's not really honouring to that person, but we had somebody from our community reach out to us, not connected with Liverpool One Church, but again, just because there is a reputation that you guys are a generous church, and they'd actually just lost their youngest son, and they didn't have money for the dad to have a suit to walk down and hold his son at the funeral. So we were the ones that stepped up and said, hey, you know what? We don't want you doing like a 30 pound charity suit. We're gonna give you 250 pounds to go and pay for your suit because we want to show a loving arm that outreaches into our community that actually sometimes make, that makes them say, I don't even understand why they would do that. Like I don't, even, I don't even go there, but our goal is to help people in our area who are just hurting that are not a million miles away from us. So helping people financially has been a big thing for us too. We also invested over £18,000 into our facilities here at Liverpool One Church, our home missional lane. And this was able to take care of a whole bunch of stuff that ordinarily without that legacy offering, we just wouldn't have been able to take care of. We were able to take care of things like um, CCTV and heating and security, as well as a brand new, much faster, much more robust, much improved check-in system for all you parents who are utilising our powerhouse ministry, just to name a few. And we do these things because we understand that in Samuel, it talks about how God looks at the heart, but man looks at the outside. So we understand and appreciate that actually, we need to make sure that in terms of our facilities and our spaces, before anybody's heart is ever going to be open to the gospel, we have to make sure that they're at least kind of warm first and we need to make sure that they're not being cooked either and we need to make sure that they're safe and all of our safeguarding is right and in place. And there's a whole bunch of work that goes on to just simply create environments that make it possible and make you confident to want to bring somebody to church and that is able to be taken care of because of your generosity. So can you see what we're able to do when we just pool our resource together? And it doesn't mean everyone has to do the absolute utmost. It just means everybody does a little. And when everybody does a little, can you see the work that a local church can do and just be part of? 
I guess, you know, in part, one thing I want to focus on very briefly, and then we're going to jump into the Word of God. But next year, in light of our year one legacy offering, what we actually wanted to do intentionally was we wanted to make a statement to make sure that we were giving away more money than we were keeping for ourselves. And that was because I just think that you can't go wrong and you can never, ever outgive God. This year, one of the things that we're just mindful of, and this is just one thing, is, man, I don't even know like what, what it's like for your church experience, but I think we're having something like 16 or 17 babies being born in Liverpool One Church over the next... Like, you guys need to get Netflix subscriptions, I'm telling you. In fact, I think if the church paid for your Netflix subscriptions, it would save us a fortune down the line elsewhere, right? <laughs> hey, we'll grow this church one way or another. Um, but the reality of it is, is it just means that like at certain services, at certain times, we're, we're like, we really struggle to make sure that our parents' experience of church, especially of young babies and young toddlers, is a good one. Because as you will know, we're just kind of like, we're kind of out of space a little bit. So what we're planning on trying to do is rework some of our foyer space and area to just make that a more conducive environment. It's not going to be baby play. It's not going to be that, but just create an environment that just makes it easier for a parent with a toddler or a young person to engage in what's happening in service rather than maybe just feeling like, well, I've just got to go and walk the foyer floor or, you know, because our spaces in the office block where we put a whole bunch of young children is often rams. I mean, sometimes I get figures and it just makes me worry. I'm like, we're fitting how many people into that tiny space or we're fitting how many people into that parent feeding room at the back of the auditorium. Like, this ain't safe. It's not right. So we really want to invest at the front end and make sure that an end user's experience of Liverpool One Church is as good as it can possibly be. But if this all happens as a result of generosity, it doesn't take a genius to work out that generosity is going to need to be in play again this year as we take up our legacy offering next week. And one of the things that I have learned about generosity is that you don't give to get. You've got to learn the art of giving to give. And scripturally, what you've got to know is that even Jesus believed in this too. I mean, even Jesus made the statement and he said, hey, listen, guys, I'm just going to let you know, wherever your treasure goes, that's where your heart goes. Like wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Because he knew exactly where your finances would go with the places and spaces that you're generous towards. That's really going to be the places and spaces that have your heart. Jesus knew this. So if generosity is key, I guess that we've got to ask ourselves a question. Are there some things that we need to learn? Are there some things that we need to revisit if we're going to make sure that we all have a generous heart as we follow Christ together? In Deuteronomy 15, in the Old Testament of the Bible, there is an incredible passage of Scripture that really is an account of God giving out instructions for how people should set up the placement of their heart when it comes to dealing with requests for funds or finances. And in essence, he kind of gives us this breakdown about how me paraphrase it. If you're going to be generous, which is what I want you to do, then you need to take care of these four areas of your heart. So I want us to jump into these four things and talk from Deuteronomy 15 by making a statement that if you want to be generous, firstly, you have to deal with your selfish heart. 
And that goes for every single one of us because we already know and the science tells us our natural disposition is one of being selfish and you have to deal with your selfish heart. Deuteronomy 15 verse seven says, if anyone is poor among you, your fellow is, sorry, if anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any towns of the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Be careful not to harbour this wicked thought. The seventh year, the year of cancelling debts is near, so that you do not show ill will toward the needy among your fellow Israelites and give them nothing. They may then appeal to the Lord against you and you will be found guilty of sin. Check out that verse nine again. It says, be careful not to harbour this wicked thought. Let me kind of give you a little bit of backdrop and context to what's actually happening here. This is God flagging on the radar of all of those that were of the Israelite makeup saying, you've really got to be careful that you don't exhibit a selfish heart. Because within the financial economic system that God had created, he'd set this rule in place that would say, if you lent money to somebody else, then if seven years have passed, and if that amount of money that you lent has not been repaid in full, then at the seventh year, everything would be marked clean. In other words, you would be deemed to be debt free. It was God's way of providing an assurity so that somebody doesn't end up getting embroiled in so much debt that it lasts forever and forever and ever and they never live free. So there was this law in place that would say, you've got seven years to lend somebody or be generous towards somebody, but at the seventh year, the debt would be cancelled. And what God is telling us in this Deuteronomy 15 passage of Scripture is He's saying, listen, if you have an opportunity to be generous, whatever you do, don't give with the view of, I better get this back within the seven years, because if I don't get this back within seven years, then I'm not willing to give. Well, the point that he's making is this, if you're going to give, you can't give with a selfish heart because if you give only to benefit yourself, and many people do this, and many people preach this, they kind of say, hey, if you give, then you're going to receive this, you're going to get this. It's not actually the way that God wants it to work. He doesn't want you to give so that you get. He doesn't want you to give so that you live blessed. He wants you to give so that you just want to give because what you've got to understand about giving is this, is giving was created to deal with the selfish issue that we've all got going on in our heart. I have a question for you. Why do you think God created giving in the first place? Were you worried that maybe there wasn't quite enough gold left to paint the lampposts and the pavements in heaven? Are you maybe concerned that if you don't give to God, then God might run out of money and maybe he's experiencing an energy crisis up there in heaven? We all know, right, if we're a follower of Jesus, if we're a believer in God, we know he's way bigger and better than all of that, right? He doesn't need our giving. Our giving that we do was created by God, not for him, but it was created for you because it was by giving, it became the only way that you could ensure that selfishness was gotten out of your heart. And that's why I often feel the weight and the pressure. And I really do whenever I'm speaking about finance, because I don't want to teach you, you should give and you're going to get. Because if I teach you that, then in essence, what I'm doing is I'm working against the very thing that God God had instituted to rid your heart of selfishness 
selfishness by giving. So when you give only with the view of getting, you're just bringing that back into play in your own life. So if we're gonna be generous, we've gotta understand that we've gotta give to give. It's not about giving to get. The second thing that we've gotta deal with if we wanna live a generous life is we have to deal with the grudge in all of our hearts. You have to deal with the grudge in your heart. Genesis, uh, sorry, Deuteronomy 15, verse 10. Give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. You see, if selfishness is the struggle that we have before we give, then holding a grudge is the real battle after we have given. Have you ever given an amount of money, maybe even to church, and then all of a sudden something breaks and then you regret giving in the first place? This is real for each and every one of us. And what God is wanting to teach us in this passage of Scripture is the point that actually, look, if you give with a right heart, if you give to give and you don't give to get, then the the Scriptures teach us that when your heart is right, He'll take care of the works of your hands. You don't need to live life stressed out. And many of you are doing. Some of you are so stressed out because the hustle is not working. The side job isn't working. You're not getting on with your boss. Something's not working in the business. Something's struggling in your career and you're like, I don't understand what's going on here. Well, can I just encourage you when you give to give, God says he takes care of the works of your hands. But when you give to get God to take care of the works of your hands, you're undoing the very thing that systemically God has positioned in our lives to help us get rid of, which is selfishness. You see, before you give, You convince yourself with your selfish heart that you shouldn't give to God because it means that you have a little less. But after you've given, when something breaks, you hold a grudge towards God because you gave in the first place. I can remember when we first planted this church and man, we were were hardly earning any money and financially things were incredibly tight in our household. We had this one crazy week where literally everything broke. Anybody ever had that? Like it doesn't rain, it pours. We literally had the oven, the iron and the TV break all in one week. And I had zero money. Now, my brother, who is a really good friend, obviously of mine, and he's an electrician. I said, bro, can you fix my oven for us? And by the way, I have zero money. I can't pay you, but like, you know, we need this. We have kids. We've got to cook food, right? The microwave can only do so much, you know, like, can you fix my oven? And he was like, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And then I started to figure out, well, you know what? How am I going to get some money? Because we haven't got a TV, but we can live without a TV. No problem with that. But honestly, it's getting a little frustrating hanging all of our clothes up in the bathroom every time someone's having a shower because we didn't have an iron that worked. And Emma was getting like a little bit, a little bit cross with me because she's like, you know, can't we just go and get an iron? And I'm like, I'd love to just go and get an iron. But do you know how much an iron is? And do you know how much we haven't got? And man, it was just infuriating. And to add, you know, make things worse, we didn't have a TV that worked either. And I almost started to hold a grudge. And I can remember thinking to myself, God, I've been faithful in giving and honouring of my finances to you every single month since the beginning of our married life. And we've been faithful to tithe and give of 10% into the local church for as long as we had been following you. Like seriously, God, this, this kind of sucks to me. This doesn't feel right. And I can remember that I almost started to encompass a grudge in my heart 
That was until, of course, the very next day when somebody turned up at our house with a brand new Sony, like wasn't even Grundig or anything. It was like a Sony flat screen TV and they didn't even know that our TV had broke and we still have that going in our house today. I mean, it was just a blessing and it makes me go, oh yeah, I get it. So when I give to give and I don't give to get, if I give to give, then God really will take care of all the other areas of my life too. Like it's a genuine thing. And I think that I had lost sight of the fact that when I give to give, I give because it's not mine to give anyway. What I've forgotten was what it tells us in Psalm 24 verse 1 that says, the earth is the Lord's and everything within it is His. When I was giving, I was almost giving it grudgingly thinking, God, if I didn't give, I'd be able to buy my own iron. If I didn't give, I'd be able to sort my own telly. If I didn't give, then I'd be able to get the thing replaced in the kitchen. You know, that was how I was starting to think. And with hindsight, the real reason for me holding the grudge was because I thought that what I was giving was mine anyway. And I'd forgotten just how big and how vast and how awesome the God is that we serve and everything is his. Everything in the entire world is his anyway. The third thing that you've got to do is you've got to continuously develop a generous heart. Deuteronomy 15 verse 14 tells us, supply them liberally from your flock, your threshing floor and your wine press. Give to them as the Lord your God has blessed you. You see, God wants us to be generous because he knows our natural wiring is to be selfish. Question, for any of you parents, what is the one thing that you continually have to make sure you are teaching into your young children? You have to teach them to share, right? It's almost like the struggle is real. It's like, no, that's not your car. No, that's not your thing. We have to teach them to share. And I think that in this scripture where, you know, it's almost put to us on a plate. Give to them as the Lord has blessed you. This is God telling us, as a parent would tell a child, like sometimes you've got to share. Like it's not good for you to keep everything for you. It doesn't, it doesn't outwork well in your heart when you live life that way. And I think it's just God saying to us as a father to his children, like, hey, now's the time to grow up. You've got to learn to share. You've got to learn to be generous. That's why we're saying at some point, we've got to grow up and say, God, is there something that you want us to do as a family? God, is there something that you want us to give? The fourth and final thing that we've all got to do is simply develop a grateful heart. Deuteronomy 15, 15. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I give you this command today. What was the command? The command was to be generous. The command was to be extravagantly generous whenever the opportunity arises. And he's never asking you to give something that you have not got. He's asking you to be generous from your wine press, from your threshing floor, not the threshing floor of the credit card company. He's saying, be generous with what you have. And he was saying this, you know, look, I need you to be generous because I know the backstory of your life. And sometimes you think you know it, but oftentimes you forget it. But I want you to remind yourself that you were once slaves. And in this context, he was saying, look, you've got to understand that, that you didn't save yourself. 
You didn't bring yourself out of Egypt and the entire Israelite nation had been enslaved for years and it was God that miraculously had brought them through and rescued them. And he was saying, look, you've got to live generously, but you start by living generously when you have a grateful heart. And gratefulness comes out of marking a moment in time and stopping and thinking back of what God has done for you. And do you know how I start my prayer meetings every single day? I always start by saying this thing. I say, God, you gave your son Jesus for me. I don't think I could have done that. And I'll think about what that really cost. Because I'm telling you right now, the idea of me giving and sacrificing one of my boys for anyone else, like it's a bridge too far for me. Like just being honest, it's a bridge too far. And yet when I think of the sacrifice that our heavenly father gave so that you could be gathered in church today to worship him and to know him and to enter into a real and authentic relationship with him, it just makes me go, God, I'm I'm thankful. I'm thankful because you know my sin. You know of my secret sin. You know what really goes on in my thought life. You know of my struggles and yet you call me in and welcome me home like a loving father would to his only son. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful for you having a generous heart and I'm grateful for you being willing to send Jesus. And the truth is for me, and I know that you're the same too, but I've never gotten over the fact that He has saved my life. I have never gotten over the fact that we now get heaven because of His sacrifice. I've never gotten over that. You know what else I've not gotten over? I've got three kids that have all done their teenage years and they're still in the local church. I'm grateful to God for that. You know what else I'm grateful for? I'm grateful that I have a wife that is fit, strong and healthy today. You know what else I'm grateful for? I'm grateful for the in excess of 300 volunteers that work diligently hard and going on a road to to make Liverpool One Church happen. You know what I'm grateful for? I'm grateful for all of the talent that God blows me away and brings into our house weekly and monthly just to make services work. I'm grateful for every guy that's willing to man a camera, play an instrument. I'm grateful to every person that welcomes people home. I'm grateful for every single person and that creates an environment that makes it easy for people to follow God. And I don't wanna make the mistake of forgetting all that God has done in me and through me and for me. Because I remember what it was like with 10 people in a living room. And I remember what it was like when we didn't even have a hundred pounds in the bank account. I remember what it was like. And yet God, who is faithful when I get my heart right to take care of the works of my hands, to bring me through every trial and every situation that's ever been deposited in front of me. I have never gotten over the goodness of God towards me. So why am I gonna give? I'm gonna give because I think that God's been incredibly good to me. And I wanna make sure that as a family, we're sowing a seed of finance into this local house. Why? Because I think we're creating an environment that genuinely is seeing people's lives move from death to life, from darkness to life. So 
my ask of you is you would pray this week, God, show me how I can be generous. Church, let's stand to our feet and in a moment we're gonna worship, but before we do, we're gonna pray real quick. Let's just close our eyes and bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I think sometimes we're all a little bit guilty of forgetting how good you have been to us. Sometimes we're all a little bit guilty of just choosing not to think on and remember the ways in which you have always shown kindness and compassion and grace to us all and to our families. And though the journey of life brings highs and lows, you have remained constant. So God, would you help us in the knowledge of that to exhibit continuously an extravagantly generous heart and not just in finance, but Lord, as we just move into this new chapter and season in the life of Liverpool One Church, help us to be generous across the board. Help us to be generous with our words, our deeds, as well as with our money. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.